0: In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Pastor John Mark Caton continues the series, Five Pillars of Biblical Manhood, and roots his teaching in 1 Corinthians 16 13. Pastor John conducts a study in courage and how courage can overcome fear, be rejected by others, and is a lifelong endeavor. Now let's hear from John Mark. Man, if we uh, uh, dive back into our five pillars and we look today, had sweet success. We've uh, been going through each one of these pillars uh, of biblical manhood, seeing uh, guys in scripture that have failed. Uh, And we looked at that last time, the 10 spies that went in uh, really saw and tasted uh, where God wanted them to be. And they chose to instead uh, wander for 40 years in the desert. That's what those 10 spies did. Today, we're going to talk about sweet success. And we're going to look at two guys that really were spies, but let's pick up where we are in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14. Uh, that's our passage we're working out, where Paul says, be on your guard, and we looked at a failure and a sweet success. He said, stand firm in your faith. We've already looked at uh, failure as well as success. Here's pillar number three that we're on, be courageous. We looked at the failure last time. And then he said, and we're going to look at the success today. And then he says, be strong and do everything in love. And last time we looked at this idea of being courageous, we looked at the 10 spies where uh, Moses selected these 12 spies, basically one man that represented every tribe to go into the promised land, to look at the land, see if it was good uh, to eat, see how the cities were, see how the people in the city in, in the uh, promised land were, and then bring back a report. And they brought back an honest report that the land is flowing with milk and honey. The land is fertile. The soil is fertile. The cities uh, are fortified. The people are strong. That was an honest report. But the reality is, the reason they went in to spy out the land was to begin to develop a strategy to go in and conquer it for God's people because God had given it to them. But instead, 10 of the 12 spies came back and made the hearts of the people fall and fail. And we understand as we think about this pillar of being courageous, there are times in our lives that guys, we just have to be courageous. We have to understand if God has called us to be the men of God He wants us to be, the people of God He wants to be, the church of God He wants to be, uh, there are times that it requires courage as opposed to fear. But we all have to understand there are seasons in our life that if we aren't careful, that fear can overcome us and we will ultimately fail and walk away. And sadly, for 40 years... The children of Israel who were supposed to be in the Promised Land wandered around in the desert and a generation died. You know, the call for us and the challenge for us as men is to make sure that we don't become epic failures in the area of our courage, in our families, in our community, uh, in our church, uh, in our spiritual walk, in our journeys in life. Uh, we don't want to fail because if we fail as men, I will promise you, just exactly what happened to the generation of children of Israel that died out in the desert when God had wanted them in the Promised Land, is that man their families suffered, the whole nation suffered, and if there is ever time, ever time that we need men of God who are willing to stand up and be courageous, it is now. And you, know, as we think about it, notice what is said in Deuteronomy chapter six, 31, verse 6. Here's what Moses said. He said, be strong and courageous. You know, it's kind of interesting when you think about be strong and courageous. I know a lot of dudes that are strong, but they're not very courageous. I know a lot of guys that are courageous, but they're not very strong. But Moses puts those both together in Deuteronomy. He says, we need to be strong and courageous. And he says, then do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you, and he will never fail you or forsake you. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, if you and I really want to be courageous, you know, it's one thing to be strong. Uh, at some point later uh, today or later this morning, I'll head over to Lifetime. I'll lift some weights. I'll. I, I'm not looking to be. How many of you know I'm not really looking to get stronger these days? I'm just looking to stop becoming weaker. Do you understand? Right, There comes a point in our life where I'm not looking to increase my max. I'm just look, not looking to get hurt. Uh, I'm just looking not to lose anymore. And the reality is, for all of us, guys, there are times that you and I want to grow in our faith. And the beauty of our spiritual growth, unlike our physical growth, is we can always get stronger. You and I can always get stronger in our faith. We can always grow in our faith. We can always study God's Word. We can serve God. We can serve the church. We can serve our families. We can serve our life group. We can serve our community. We can always do those things. But also, we need to be courageous. A lot of times we can be strong but not courageous. Sometimes we can be courageous and not that strong. But the beautiful thought is, he says, and do not be afraid or tremble at them. Man, our society is coming after followers of the faith. Our society is coming after believers. Our society is coming after men. Part of the reason we wanna talk about five pillars of biblical manhood is because everything we see in society is pretty much throwing men under the bus and the idea of biblical manhood under the bus. God created us male and female. And he blessed us as men. And part of who we are supposed to be as men are men of incredible courage. I'm reminded of a story uh, of yesteryear. There was a guy, an ancient preacher of yesteryear named John Chrysostom, And uh, really that word, that word in the Greek means golden-tongued preacher. He apparently was the Billy Graham of his day, or he was the best orator you can ever imagine of his day. And he would preach, and it was really over in the Eastern uh, Roman Empire, uh, over what we would consider in the Greek Orthodox area, Constantinople, and he preached and he preached and preached, but the debauchery of the Roman Empire in that day was crazy, and so he would against the power structure the political structure the debauchery everything about it well what happened is he made the emperor not just the emperor but the empress mad and so she delivered a verdict she said i'm going to exile you and if you don't stop preaching i'm eventually going to kill you and so basically he said you know first of all don't ever come back to my city is what she said And if you keep preaching out in the country, I'm ultimately not just going to exile you, I'm going to kill you. And I love his response in the day. Here's what he says. He says, what can I ultimately fear? He says, will it be death? But you know that Christ is ultimately my life and that I shall ultimately gain by my death. What was he saying? He says, you're going to kill me? He says, Christ is my life. And if you kill me, it's a gain. What did Paul say? Man, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. That's exactly what John was saying here. He was saying, listen, I'm going to keep preaching. You feel free to kill me. And if you kill me, I will gain. I won't lose. A lot of times we are the exact opposite. We don't want to lose our stature, our position, our possessions, our this, our that. We don't even want to lose a bit of pride. And I love what he says. He said, man, you're going to kill me? Fine. I'll be better off. I won't have to live in this world. I'll ultimately be where my Father in heaven is with His Son, Jesus Christ. Then He goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says, what am I to fear? Will it be exile? He says, but this earth is God's earth. He says, will it be loss of my wealth? In other words, and this is a lot for us today, man, are you willing to stand and be courageous even if it costs you something, if it costs you a little prosperity, if it costs you a promotion, if it cost you a job, if it cost you this or if it cost you that, he goes, What am I to fear? Will it be loss of wealth? But we brought nothing into this world and none of us will take anything out of it. Man, hundreds of years ago, he nailed it. He says, You're going to take my wealth away? Well, I didn't bring anything in and I won't take anything out. And so, guys, as we think about this idea of being courageous, it means we have to overcome fear. So let's jump down as we think about, man, the epic failures and the idea uh, in the area of being courageous. The epic failures were those 10 spies. But in the list of those 12 spies were two other dudes. Two other dudes that were faithful at the beginning. They gave a good report. And 40 years later, they were still faithful. Guys, we need men like that in the church. And we don't just need two. We don't just need 20. We need 200. We need 300. We need 400 men who were faithful 40 years ago and they're faithful today. You know, a lot of times I think if we aren't careful in church that we can have a lot of men who you look back on their spiritual legacy, their legacy in serving in the church and working in the church, and 40 years ago they were making it happen, but today they're not. The reverse of that is true. A lot of times we have a lot of guys that sit here in church, I think from time to time, and say there's going to come a day that I'm going to sell out, that maybe when I retire or maybe when my kids get grown, then I'm all of a sudden going to be faithful. Guys, when we look at the sweet victory of these two guys, Joshua and Caleb, what makes them special and powerful and real and impactful on the children of Israel is that they were faithful and courageous 40 years ago, and they were faithful and courageous today. And so my encouragement to every guy in this room, every guy on Zoom, is today is your day to step up. Today is your day to step up. Man, when you begin to hear what are some of the announcements or a men's breakfast or go snow skiing or, man, be with other men or serve our kids, today's your day. Don't say 40 years from now I'm really going to do what God wants me to do. And also don't sit here and go, you know, 40 years ago I was in. If you've got breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart, today is your day to serve God courageously. Do we understand that? And so my prayer today is that when we look at Joshua and Caleb, and what's interesting about Joshua and Caleb, it becomes pretty clear in Scripture. They're not exactly the same age. Caleb's older than Joshua. But they're both serving side by side. 40 years ago, 40 years from now. So my encouragement to every man in this room, every man listening, is today is your day. It's not someday And it's not yesterday. To be courageous in your faith, it's for today. It's for right now. Regardless of what you've done and what you've been through. So if we pick this idea up, look at Numbers chapter 13 verse 3 to 16. I just want to just show you their names. This is when the 12 spies were chosen. Here are the two of them. It says in, in Numbers chapter 13 verse 3, it says, So at the Lord's command, Moses sent out sent them out from the desert palm. All of them were leaders of Israel. These were their names. Verse 6, from the tribe of Judah was Caleb. From the tribe of Ephraim was Hoshea or Joshua. And so those are the two guys. Two of the 12 right there in the midst of us. But what we looked at last week when we looked at the epic failure is that our cowardice is contagious. How many of you remember that a couple of weeks ago? That that the 10 spies led the whole children of Israel, an entire nation that had been led out of slavery in Egypt, a whole nation, to choose fear in the desert over faith in the promised land. Those ten guys, because fear is contagious, it always is. Cowardice is contagious. And those ten men, those ten spies, led an entire nation to choose the desert over the promised land when they had just Seen God move in their midst to bring them out of slavery in Egypt. And how many times in our lives, if we aren't careful, do we in small ways, in little ways, choose the desert and not the promised land? How many times in small ways and little ways, if you look over your life, have you chosen the desert over the promised land for your faith and your life I can tell you as a pastor, I can tell you as a dad, I can tell you as a husband. There have been many times I've chosen the desert over the promised land. Am I the only guy in the room? If we aren't careful, it's easy to do, right? It's easy to do. But here you have two guys that are sweet success when it comes to being courageous. So let's go back and remember the conversation. Numbers chapter 13, jump down to verse 30. Uh, They express their courage, but then they're rejected, but that doesn't stop them. It says, Then Caleb silenced all the people, verse 30, before Moses and said, We should go up, and we should take possession of the land. And I love these words, for we can certainly do this. To be a courageous man requires action. It also requires us to speak up. It requires us to stand up in front of other people who are about to head the wrong way from time to time, and with courage to say, we can do this. Whatever it is, whatever the hardship, whatever the difficulty, there was a reality that the cities were fortified. That the enemies who were in the promised land were real. They were big. But courage is ultimately what was needed. And I love what Caleb said. Man, the people were grumbling, they were whining, they were crying. God had told Moses right at the beginning at the burning bush, I'm going to take you from slavery into a promised land. But the promised land is a place where your enemies are, you're going to have to drive them out. And I love after the ten spies had made the hearts of the people of God fail and fade, that Caleb stood up and silenced the people before Moses said, we should go up take possession of this land, for we can certainly do it. Guys, to be a courageous man, you've got to have that kind of attitude. A courageous man in their faith has to have a can-do attitude. Regardless of the enemy, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of what other people say, man, we've got to have a can-do attitude. I can do this. This is going to take me out of my comfort zone. This is going to require a little bit. Uh, This is going to cost me a little bit. This is going to cause me to risk a little bit. But I can do it. Man, if you want to see the first I can guy, it's him. It's Caleb. We can do it. Not only can I do it, but we can do it. And so let me encourage you guys to be a we can men, group of men. To be an I can man who encourages the men of Cottonwood Creek, the men of our community to step up and say we can do this. Now as you look on, look at verse 37. But the men listen, when you stand up for God, it doesn't mean all the, everybody's always going to high five you and pat you on the back. So, but the men, those who lacked courage, who had gone up with him said, "We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are." Physically, that may have well well have been true. But God had promised them the promised land. And that's all that ultimately should have been mattered. Shouldn't matter. Now jump down to numbers chapter 14 verse 6. Let me show you. Here we are. 14 verse 6 says, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, so these two guys together we're going to look at today, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into the land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and ultimately the Lord will give it to us. Now verse 9. And do not, they're begging them, do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid. They're those words again. You got these two men that are courageous. They acknowledge the reality of fear. You know, a lot of times, guys, you and I need to acknowledge the reality that we can all be overcome by fear. I can tell you that uh, as your pastor, there are times that I'm fearful. There are times that I'm afraid. And if i am not careful i can choose fear over courage i can choose worry and anxiety over faith every day we are all faced with decisions like that and so they're acknowledging a reality that yeah there are fortified cities there is enemy in the land but god will give us the land and so he says hey don't be afraid Do not be afraid of the people in the land. Why? Because we will devour them. Now, that's pretty salty language. If you look at that word devour in the original Hebrew, let me tell you what it means. Devour. It means we're going to tear them apart. There's going to be a bloodletting. Kind of the idea that we're going to tear their heads off and spit down their neck. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He didn't say, you know, we're going to go in and play hopscotch with them. We're not going to jump rope with them. He says we're going to go in and we're going to light them up. We're going to devour them. Man, that's a man right there. It's going to be a fight. But because God has promised us this land, we will win the fight. And there will be blood. Man, a lot of times you and I, we need to step up and realize... That being a man of faith sometimes become a, becomes a blood sport. That you and I have to stand up and we have to be willing to fight for our family, our church, our communities, and our country. And that's exactly what they say. Man, we're going to devour them because God has promised us this. God is going to be giving us. He says, we will devour them. Their protection will be gone, but the Lord is with us. Here's that word again. Therefore, do not be afraid. Guys, if you're walking in God's word and you're living out God's will, there will be enemies that come against you. There will be people who resist you. There will be people who attack you. But if you are living God's way and God's will, according to God's word, whatever battle comes your way, you will win. You say, Pastor, what does it require For me to win the battle ahead. Courage. Courage. See, because listen to this. The ten spies turned and walked away for 40 years. Those guys died in the wilderness. Having experienced, tasted, seen the promised land. But never finding out if they could win the battle. Did you get it? They never even knew. Why? Because they never were willing to fight. Some of you are sitting there right now going, can God use me? I'll tell you yes. I can tell you yes until you're blue in the face. I can tell you I don't care what's happened to you in your past. I don't care about the mistakes that you've made. God wants to use you and he wants to use you today. I can tell you that all day long. And you're hoping it's not all day long but i can tell you this you'll never know until you say sign me up i'm willing to do this i'm willing to go in i'm willing to fight i'm willing to battle some of you are sitting there you're wondering can god use me and some of you will never find out because you'll never get back into the game. You say, but pastor, you know, had I not done this uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago, then God could really use me. That's bull. Guys, God can use you. God wants to use you. As I look in your eyes, He wants to use everybody in this room. Regardless of your past failures, regardless of your past mistakes, you say, how do I know that God wants to use me? Man, look through God's Word. Man, go look at guys like Samson, who was a total screw-up from beginning to end, right? God still used him all the way to the end. Man, you go to the end of Samson's life, two of the most tragic statements, one of the most tragic statements, one of the more blessed statements. One is, tragic statement about Samson's life, is it says, he didn't know the Lord had left him. That's a tragic statement. You go less than one chapter over... It says, and his hair began to grow. Now, some of y'all, I know you would love for that to happen. That'd be the biggest miracle of God in your life you can imagine. If your hair would finally grow. But you know what I'm saying? It's in spite of his life, in spite of his failures, in spite of everything. God was going to use him, but he still had to fight. So guys, I want you to know, I believe there are some of you that you are so close and you've been there so many times. That God is simply saying, are you willing to come in? Are you willing to serve me? Are you willing to fight for me? Are you willing to be who I want you to be? And regardless of what your excuse is, it is just that an excuse. And to stand up and say, I'm willing to serve requires some courage. You say, man, I'd love to be... uh, Uh, serve here or serve there, but what if somebody comes in and they know about my sins of the past? So what? A a, a church is not a museum of the perfect people, right? It is a hospital for the sick. Do we understand that? Man, we, we are, everybody in this room, we are the poster children for saved by grace. Do we understand that? Saved by grace. Put my picture up there. Saved by grace. Because he wasn't good enough to be saved any other way. Guys, and that's the same way in your life. But it's going to require some courage. Because the sad thing about it, even though Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this, the children of Israel spent 40 years in the desert. And a whole generation died. If you read the latter part of uh, uh, Numbers 14 what we see is that God basically turns his back on them. He says, you know what? You're all going to die. You're never going to go into the promised land. You're going to die in the desert and you're never going to go back into the promised land. And that's exactly what happens. But if we jump forward, notice 40 years later they come back To the same river, to the same promised land, to the same fortified cities, to the same large, powerful enemies, and they're faced with the same choices. Guys, a lot of times it's that way in our lives. We are consistently faced with the same choices over and over and over again. How many of us understand that? Are we going to go in? Or are we not? The enemy is still there. The temptations are still there. The opportunity to fail is still there. The opportunity to get beat is still there. The water is still there. The cities are still fortified. The question is, are you willing to go in today? No. Then guess what we're going to do? We're going to wander in the spiritual desert for a while, and you're going to come back to the same cities the same enemy, the same places, and you're going to get another opportunity to make a decision. And you're going to make a choice to go in, which is going to require courage, or you're going to turn and you're going to walk around for another 40 years in the desert, and you're going to come back, and guess what? You're going to be faced with the same temptations, the same trials, the same enemies, and the same fortified cities. Do we understand that? So I got an idea. Let's go ahead and go in, right? Let's at least see... Certainly, shedding a little blood where God wants you to be is better than dying of thirst out in the desert. How many of us understand that? It's an easy choice when we think about it. Man, go back to Christostatum. Man, he goes, man, do I lose my wealth? I didn't bring anything in. I'm not going to take anything else. Lose my life? Man, that's gain to me. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. That needs to be our mindset. And so the ultimate question is, are we willing to be courageous? Fast forward 40 years. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, we'll pick it up Joshua chapter 1. And what is Joshua most known for? Obviously, he's known uh, well for being one of the two spies that, uh, uh, that were willing to go into the promised land. That's Joshua. But what he's best known for is kind of being Moses' number two, right? Kind of his second in command. The one that, uh, that was kind of always there. If you also remember in Exodus chapter 17, how many of you remember where the battle with the Amalekites? Where you had the Amalekites and the children of Israel that were going to fight and Moses sent Joshua down to battle and Moses went up on the... Uh, uh, on the side of the hill, and he took Aaron and Hur. And as, jo- as Moses stood on the mountain, and when he raised his arms and raised his staff, that Joshua would prevail. But when his arms would get tired, then all of a sudden the Amalekites would prevail. And it was Joshua down fighting in the battle. And so ultimately, Aaron and Hur had to help Moses uh, uh, hold his arms up. And that's what co- ultimately caused uh, the children of Israel and Joshua. To win the battle. But there's a phrase in there that says, Joshua won the battle by the sword. What does that mean? He had to be willing to fight, he had to be willing to go hand to hand, he had to have some courage. He had to be in a space where he said, listen, I am willing to do whatever God called me to do in order to bring about the victory. Now, we'll tell you, with with Moses' hands up, they were succeeding. When Moses' hands were tired, they were losing. What does that mean? Ultimately, at the end of the day, it didn't have to do with Moses' hand. It was all about God. God ultimately gave him the victory, but it says very clearly in there, Joshua won the battle with his sword. So as Moses is number two, he was also willing to battle and fight. Guys, are you willing to unsheath your sword of wisdom and strength and courage and power and finances and this and that in order to win the battle? Or are you going to meander around in the desert for the next 40 years and live in the land of Wisha and could have? And I'll submit to you God is saying, guys, let's go in. Let's be who God wants us to be, living in a land God wants us to live in, regardless of the enemies and the temptations and the struggles that we have. So let's pick it up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. So here, all the children of Israel are back in the promised land. Moses has died. It's time for Joshua to take over. Forty years later, here's what it says. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses he says... Moses, my servant, is dead. My guess is Joshua would say, okay, I got that. Now then, you and all these people. If if you've got a little notepad, notice the word you and all these people. God didn't ask Joshua to go it alone. But God did ask, ask Joshua to go. I'm going to say that again. God didn't ask Joshua to go it alone, but he did ask Joshua to go. And so he says, Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them and to ultimately the Israelites. Now, if you jump down, it says, And I will give you every place where you set your foot as as I promised Moses. What is he saying? God is saying to Joshua, are you willing to be courageous? Are you willing to be as courageous as you were 40 years earlier when you and Caleb said, we can do this? And God says, go in. Gather the people. They're still not a perfect people. They're still not a great fighting army. They've lost a whole generation of their leaders out in the desert that they buried and died. Now it's time to go in. Now it's it's ready to go in. I will give you every place that you set your foot on as I promised Moses. Now pick it up in verse 4. And it says, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates to the Hittite country. Notice, talking about the enemies that are in there, to the Mediterranean Sea in the, in the, in the west. And it says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's the promise the guys if we are willing to go into the promised land if we are willing to take the risk if we are willing to show courage and not fear that god promises if we will do it his will if we will follow his will his way according to his word that god will never forsake us god will never leave us regardless of what goes on if we are willing to simply be courageous now notice what he says verse 6 He says, be strong and courageous. Notice those words are there together. Be strong and courageous. You can never take those two apart, guys. If you're not courageous, you're not strong. If you're not courageous, you're not strong. And if you're not strong in your faith, it's going to be hard to be courageous. And so guys, it takes both. You say, how do we build our spiritual muscles doing what you're doing now, studying God's word, having a daily Bible reading, man, spiritual disciplines, serving God that makes us strong. But then we also have to have the spiritual fortitude to be courageous, to not let fear overwhelm us, to take some risk for God. There's always going to be an enemy in the land there's always going to be someone that we can be fearful of. But notice, I love what Joshua says, man, or what God says to Joshua, Moses is gone. You've got no cover. But I'm calling you to be strong and courageous to get these people to go into the promised land. Man, I I love that. Now, that's Joshua. And what do we know about Joshua? He goes in, right? As a matter of fact, if you look from from, uh, Exodus chapter 17, the battle with the Amalekites, Joshua won one battle after another battle after another battle after another battle. Anybody know the battle that Joshua lost? Ai. Right after they lit up Jericho, they got beat. They got stonked. They got routed by the little city of, uh, of AI. Man, if we understand here in, in uh, Texas anything, we understand high school football, right? Jericho would have been the large 6A school that they rolled in and they lit them up. And the next week they go play AI, which is a six man team, and they get beat. You say, how does that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. If you go read it, first of all, they had sin in the camp. How many of you remember? They were told not to take the stuff from the people of Jericho. Sure enough, someone did. Secondly, this is the one. It's the one time you will notice when they go to buy, battle AI. It doesn't say that God's told Joshua to go attack AI. It doesn't say that God says go get the people of AI. Now, once Joshua finally did what he had always done. Right before they went into the promised land, he gathered the people together and he consecrated the people, had them confess their sins. They went in, in God's grace and God's favor. And against Ai, they didn't bother to do that. They didn't prepare themselves. They didn't consecrate themselves. Then they lost. Then Joshua steps up and says, consecrate yourself today. Then they go gain the victory. So there's such a key, guys, is that you and I need to always understand, it is not me, it is about me serving God. It's about me serving God. Fast forward a little bit. Let's go to uh, Joshua chapter 14. Let's let's find Caleb. Uh, I love Caleb, and maybe this describes some of you guys in here today. In, in, In Joshua chapter 14, it says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, everybody say Caleb, Man, this is 40 years ago. Caleb was one of the guys that said, hey, let's go fight. Caleb went and said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God. Now now notice, remember, Joshua's number two. So he's saying this to Joshua. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, Barnea, all that time ago about me? What did he say? He says, I wanted to fight then. I'm ready to fight now. Notice the courage in his convictions we see in verse 7. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. He goes, remember when we were spies? And I brought back a report according to my, what's that word, guys? Convictions. Guys, what are your convictions that you hold? What are the convictions that you walk with? What are the things in your life that you won't compromise? Those are called convictions. Man, Caleb said, I had a conviction that God was going to give us this land 40 years ago. I still have the same conviction God's going to give us this land today. Guys, what are the convictions that you carry? My prayer is, here's a conviction that you carry that regardless of what I've done in my past, I can be forgiven. Regardless of how I've been afraid and failed in the past, God can use me today. If I am willing to just go into the promised land, what are the convictions you hold? That this whole universe was spoken into existence by God, that His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, is the one and only way to salvation. You better have those convictions, guys. But Caleb doesn't stop there. He doesn't say if we're going to be great men of God, if we're going to have courage, that we need great convictions. He doesn't stop there. Notice what it says next. It says he's got heart. Look at it, verse 8. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me, he's talking about 40 years ago, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. There's that word again. 40 years. Can you imagine Caleb rolling around in the desert with a little bit of bitterness? When people begin to complain, we don't have any water, the food's not great. And Caleb's sitting there going, we shouldn't be here. But except for the people got afraid and wouldn't go into the promised land. I'll submit to some of you guys. guys, Some of you are wandering around in the spiritual desert complaining to God and God is looking at you saying, I don't want you here. I want you in the promised land. I want you serving me, not living for yourself. I want you serving my church, not living for yourself. I want to bless you, but I can't bless you out there. When you're in the desert, God says, all I can do is give you a little food, give you a little water, let you survive. You come into the promised land of God's house with God's people serving Him His way, God says, man, I'll pour out on you a blessing you don't understand but it requires some convictions and it requires some heart. Let's continue to read. Notice what he says. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, I want to hear everybody in this room say that. I, however, however. a lot of people, a lot of men will melt in fear, but I want to, I want to encourage everyone in this room to say it, be an I, however, kind of guy. I, however, However, what did he say? Follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Convictions and a whole heart ultimately lead to complete victory. Those two things, conviction and a whole heart devoted to God ultimately lead to sweet victory. Now jump down and continue to read. Notice what else. We're going to see the inheritance. So on that day, Moses swore to me, I love this. Caleb remembers that day 40 years ago, Moses pulled Caleb aside and said, Hey, God's not going to forget you. Guys, God's not going to forget you. If God makes you a promise, He'll be good on it. And so notice what He says. On that day, Moses swore to me, God, Moses pulled me aside. The land on which you have walked will be your inheritance for you and your children forever because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly I love that now as you continue to read on notice the courage for the fight here he is verse 11 Uh, excuse me jump down to verse 10 now then just as the Lord promised he has kept me alive for these 45 years since the time Moses said this to me while Israel moved about in the wilderness in the desert so here I am guys everybody say here I am He says, here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous. I am ready to go to battle just now as I was back then. Now give me this hill country. Man, what an incredible thought. That's courage. 45 years ago, Moses said, I won't forget you. 45 years today... He says, I'm just as strong today. I'm just as ready today. Give me the hill country. Now, it's one thing to think about this dude being over 80 years and saying, Give me the fight, right? But it's another thing. Notice he asked for the hill country. Let me ask you a question. If you're going to fight a battle, would you rather be uphill or downhill? Yeah. Not only is the dude believing God, he's courageous. He says, I'm willing to fight this battle uphill. Guys, some of you in your lives, I mean, I'll admit, your life has been an uphill battle. And guess what? You may have made some mistakes and been through some junk that the next couple of months or couple of years, it's going to be an uphill battle. But Caleb is your example with convictions and your whole heart committed to God. And if you're willing to be courageous, you can say, God, give me that hill. So my invitation to you as a pastor is don't be like the 10 spies who not only destroyed their lives and died in the desert, but also hurt everybody around them. But instead, be like Joshua and Caleb who 40 years ago Said we can do it. And today, when they finally went in, they still said they could do it. But it required some courage, some conviction, and being wholeheartedly devoted to God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you. God, I pray that Cottonwood Creek is filled with men men of conviction, men who are wholeheartedly devoted to you and who are not afraid. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.